What's up, everyone? It's Kiddush Club back with another episode. And we know that it's been a while since you've heard our usual light take on the news, light take on the world. And obviously, we all know why that is. Clally Searle is still in mourning, and we're still at war. So we are going to be bringing you some of the latest updates from Israel. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a little bit. Uh, if you had enough just because your anxiety is through the roof, I feel you. I know exactly how you feel. If you do feel like that, you're welcome to jump to the second half of this episode and you'll get a little bit of what you're used to from Kiddush Club, which is just light takes on the news. But for now, we are going to be bringing you some of the recent developments in Israel and some of our commentary. So first of all, uh, a lot of major things going on today. A lot of major things. Uh, the UN, we know. At this point, could I, could I say Yimach Shemam to, to the UN? Or, uh, could I, is that valid? Have you not been doing that? Till now, to the UN. I mean, I, I say the UN who needs them, but Shmam, I don't. I don't know. If no, we... come on. They're they're quick to criticize Israel. They're quick to to blame uh, Jews for things that occur that have really nothing to do with us most of the time. Come on. Yeah, but to hear the UN, the the Secretary General, whatever his title is, for him to actually give somewhat of a pass to Hamas. For him to say that this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum, in other words, what Hamas did, well, you know, you tell me the, what he it, said. Could you t- like start off with telling me what he said so that I could appreciate your full-throated uh, criticism of them? So he said, uh, "I'm going to paraphrase some of it. I do have an article pulled up, but I'll, I'll paraphrase some of it." Uh, he said, "A civilian is a civilian is a, civil- is a civilian, and that Palestinian civilians must be protected." That's number one. So. Already he's equating the civilians on both sides when, as we all know, it doesn't need to be said, Hamas specifically targets civilians. Israel specifically does not target civilians. He also said that there had been clear violations of humanitarian law in Gaza by Israel. And he also said that what happened, what Hamas did, doesn't happen, quote, in a vacuum. In other words, Israel is to blame for the fact that Hamas did what they did because of their supposed... Uh, persecution of the Palestinians. So here's the, the, the thing, and, and for anyone who's listening, if you ever find yourself discussing this with somebody who's on that side, it's very, very simple. All you have to say is, in what universe, what planet, is it okay to take a baby from a crib and behead it? What scenario, in other words, what can Israel do to the other side where you say, you know what? I understand the correct response here should be to behead a baby. There is nothing ever. It's pure terrorism. It's pure evil. And the fact that people, you know, in the UN and unfortunately in politics can't come out and, and say all, that. And all over the world. I have trouble with the fact that I share a planet with people that are somewhat okay with this, that are saying, you know, that, that are defending this. That I are stand saying, with Palestine. Well, right, with you started, right? Like, there is no, how, I just, like, I can't wrap my head around it. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that people would go rally and say, free Palestine, and, you know, next time be nicer to us like it just doesn't make sense none of it makes sense to me it's like it's just not logical 
and it doesn't like it just doesn't compute in my mind it's not logical and for you to try to apply <clears throat> logic uh is you know an effort in futility the reality is is that we have to always remember that hashem runs the world and we know that asaf son asiakov we've said it many times hashem runs the world these people are being blinded what's going on in the universities uh is disgusting yes and we mentioned it on on a previous episode that a lot of a lot of jewish benefactors are pulling this support and rightfully so yes i mean but it actually goes further than just the universities uh i saw posted the manhattan beach middle school this is a, a school in california there was some kids who got bullied physically attacked in the school and rather than say anything about uh the bullies, and it turns out they looked at the parents' uh, social media, and they're obviously huge anti-Semites. Instead, they made the parents of the Jewish kids sign a gag order that they wouldn't talk to anyone about it, rather than defend the Jewish kids. This was brought to the ADL. A lot of people went to the ADL and said, "Hey, ADL, you want to do anything about this?" And they brought it. They, you know, they uh, started pushing it on their social media, etc. Now there's a petition to basically calling them out on on how horrible they handled the situation. It's just like two extremes, you know. There's almost no middle here. It's either it's either like pure evil or 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 good. Yeah, and and just to show you how insane the world is. So I do say this every time. Biden has been doing a phenomenal job. He's, he's, his support for Israel is unbelievable. Uh, we are st starting to see some cracks in the Democrat Party. Uh, unfortunately, we, we do see it. Rashida Tlaib, Yimachshima, she is just horrible. She's still perpetuating the, the, the lie that Israel bombed the hospital. Everybody knows that didn't happen. She's tripled down on it now. She keeps repeating it. Uh, but this was the most uh, difficult one to see. So, uh, And this was actually reposted by the RNC. Karine Jean-Pierre was asked, what is, the, what is Biden's level of concern right now about a potential rise of anti-Semitism? And here's what she had to say. His level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so... Uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. Uh, and certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab, Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak to in his, uh, in his address uh, just last, last Thursday. So for Karine Jean-Pierre, when asked about anti-Semitic attacks on Jews, she goes into a whole thing about Islamophobia and the threats to Muslims. I mean, last time I checked, every one of our Jewish institutions has upped their security. Everyone, every Jewish person's on edge. Uh, that woman was was murdered in Detroit. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, thankfully, there is no uh, actual credible threat because that would be terrifying, right? Correct. Like if 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 I think this happened once, right? Maybe a year or two ago, where there was an actual credible threat. Oh yes, yes, we you covered it. Remember this? Yeah, yeah we I covered it. We covered like, it on the cast. Yeah, 
I don't remember the details, but that was terrifying for a lot of people. Yes, it was. It so, was. So having no credible threat is it's 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 great. It's it's you know it's a good thing that we don't have something that's like looming to up the security. Necessary, you got to because you don't know. Right, but what's but did coming. you ha, have you seen any mosques that have up their security? We I, I, in, I don't, in our neighborhood I, we see them. The, you, we have we literally have security guards everywhere. We have fences everywhere. The mosques are just you know loving life. I don't pass mosques, so I don't, I don't really know. I don't pay too much attention to other houses of worship, but but I, I do. I mean, like I'll take your word for it. But also, it's ridiculous. like who's attacking a mosque? You know, right? That but that's the point. For her to be talking about Islamophobia. Just it's it's so out of touch and so ridiculous. Um, I do want to call out. So I, I did say some of the Democrats are starting to break, but there are some Democrats who are phenomenal. One of them is Richie Torres. He is a congressman representing South Bronx. This man is psycho. I've never he, he's he's more pro-Israel than any of us. Um, he's not obviously he's not Jewish. Uh, I think he comes from a Hispanic background. If you just go read this guy's Twitter feed, it's 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 literally unbelievable how pro-Israel he is. I know he's made trips to Israel, and just power to him. He's he's really one of the good ones. I got to tell you, I, I've been I've read through his his feed, and it is fantastic. But I don't even want to call him pro-Israel. I want to call him just not insane, normal. <laughs> right? He's just super normal. You know, yeah. you don't get a badge for, you know, uh, criticizing the massacre of October seventh. I mean, it, it, it should be criticized, right? It's not you. You don't you don't get a trophy for that. He's just 100%. being a normal person, and sadly, it's so few and far between that. Like, just look at the way you react to Richie Torres. It's like, oh, he's the best. Oh, pro Israel. He's just being normal. And we, and 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 there's so little of that in, but he, in today's. He, but again, he's uh, he's part. He's a progressive Democrat, and the progressives we know, they are very staunchly anti-Israel. None of them have condemned Hamas openly, and so for him to go out and to just fight his own people, I give the man a lot of credit. Um, I also, that. I understand. I'm just saying those other Democrats are just sick. They're sick, twisted individuals. If you can't just differentiate between you know leave the politics out of it you you want to make politics and you want to talk about two-state solutions and you want to talk about aggression and all that stuff you could you'll have your day in court but right now in this climate when we when we are still reeling from october 7th and the massacre and just the 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 atrocity it's just you, you have it's not the time. It's just not the time to discuss politics. First, put your heart out to the people. That's essentially what your job is. You're a people person. You work for the people. So just show us what's right. So in other uh, political news, I'm sure you saw it, Representative Randy Fine, who serves in the Florida House of Representatives, uh, made a speech, and it was really unbelievable. It was moving uh, and it was just really, really great. I want to include the entire thing at the end of this episode. So when this episode is over, uh, after you know, after the outro music, 
Uh, you can play it. It's about 10 minutes long. Uh, it's worth the listen. And I'll be very honest, I was, you know, watching it as it happened. And uh, I had tears in my eyes. Doesn't, doesn't you know, uh, no other way to say it. I, it brought me to tears. Well, also, he's Jewish. Also, his grandparents yes. were in the Holocaust. Yes. Um, so, you know, he's coming as one of us. And he came strong. He was also just super clear on what's right and what's wrong. Sometimes you need, you need it to be laid out like that. He lays it out just really beautifully. And, you know, if you listen to it, you, you'll understand what I mean. He just, it's just 11 minutes long of just, uh, um, um, he's like, just like spreading it out and just showing you exactly how it's so insane. 100%. So check that out. Uh, that's at the end. Uh, also, an interesting article I saw that in Israel, so there's a lot of Haredim who are actually going and joining the IDF now because they want to fight. And I totally get that, too. Uh, according to this article, uh, there's already been 120 who have already enrolled in the IDF with more trying to join. And I think I think I get it. You know, uh, just to, to take a... Uh, a slight detour. Everyone I know, I don't know about you, but everyone I know in the, in uh, the United States, New York, tri-state area, everybody's talking about guns. And how do you get a concealed carry, right? Yep, yep, yep. Everybody's talking about get me a rifle, where do I buy from, how do I get a license? And, you know, depending on what state you live in, it's going to be different time frames, right? If you live in New York, New Jersey, it's going to be a very long time till you can... I don't even know if you'll ever get a concealed carry, but even just to get a firearm permit, uh, that's going to take you years. Exactly. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a year plus. If you live in Florida, you're talking about a week plus. <laughs> exactly. Texas. Huge difference. You know, within the week, you'll, you'll have your permit. So I was actually talking about this with a coworker, and he says, no, you, you know what? You could get this thing called a burner. B-Y-R-N-A. You can check them out, burna.com. And what it is, basically, you know, like a paintball gun that has like a CO2 cartridge and it shoots paintballs. So this is, it looks exactly like a real handgun. It, ha it has a CO2 cartridge. And then it has these pellets. Imagine like a BB gun, but powerful and a lot bigger than a BB. And among the projectiles that they sell, one of them, on impact, this pellet basically explodes and it releases like tear gas on the person. So this is something that you could fire from, you know, a couple hundred feet away. You hit the person, tear gas. I, I went online and I ordered it on the spot. Uh, Wait, what about legal? How, how legal so, is it? Right. So on the website, on the homepage, it says they sell different products. One of them says, uh, you know, the Berna New York, uh, California version. So I said, oh, okay, that's the one I'll get. The New York, California version. Turns out. <laughs> the New York version is for New York State. New York City, it's just as illegal to own an air gun as it is to own a real gun. So I had to cancel right. my order. Oh, so you couldn't even get it. You couldn't even get the uh, the product. Right. They won't ship it to New York City. Uh, right. They're shipping, but they are shipping spitball guns, basically. <laughs> yes. You could, you could get a spitball gun, lace it with something maybe. But yeah, unfortunately... It's totally illegal in New York City. So only the criminals in New York City are allowed to be armed. The criminals and the anti-Semites, they have no problem because they don't care about the law. But for the rest of us who want to be safe, 
we're not allowed to have even an air pistol. And by the way, this air gun is not lethal. You cannot, you literally cannot kill anybody with it. You could, what you, you what could hurt him. Shoots, what if you shoot the guy in the eyeball? Okay, Will maybe you? maybe you'll damage his eye. <laughs> it's not going to kill him. It 100% will not kill him. I mean, if you've ever gone paintball and you know what it feels like, right? You get hit with that paintball, it hurts. Yeah. You, you, it, it leaves a mark. And BB guns are worse. BB guns are even worse than that. Exactly, exactly. So this is not even like a BB because it's bigger. It, it I, I saw, you know, before I bought it, I went online to see people actually testing them. And I saw people firing them at dummies. It it cannot, it if it pierces the skin, it's a tiny, tiny, you know, tear in the skin, but almost nothing. It gives you a welt, but it doesn't pierce the skin. So it's absolutely non-lethal. And even that is is illegal. So it's crazy. Right, so it's but, not even a gaya. Exactly. But going back, but if I were in Israel right now, I understand the feeling, even if you're, let's say you're sitting in yeshiva and you're learning, and we had Daniel Esses on, a uh, previous guest who said that, you know, it, it's so important to have uh, all of the all of our loim uh, de Torah that are learning to support the, the war, war as well, how important that is. But I understand the itch being in Israel and saying, you know what, I'm not just going to sit here. I, I, I got to get in. I got to get in. I got to get involved. All right, you were talking. You were talking about the Haredim joining joining the IDF. But here's my question, serious question now. Just the standard Haredi man that lives in Jerusalem has no training. So, do we just throw this guy on the battlefield? Because I don't think there's time for training. Yeah. So I was actually wondering the same thing. So based on the article that I read, they're giving them quote unquote desk jobs. Well, they're making them drivers. Um, they help. They're helping behind the scenes in whatever they could do. Uh, right now, looks like they want all the help that they could get. So it seems there's plenty of work to be done. Uh, we know there's tons of solidarity, solidarity trips that are going there. Uh, Israel is willing to take right now any help it could get. And so they're always there's always more for people to do. Okay, but when you join, you kind of think that you are going to be standing there with a rifle shooting the enemy. You know what I mean? You didn't think you were going to be... Like answering your phones, like, hello, IDF, can I help you? <laughs> like, that's not what I signed up for. Or like answering emails. <laughs> right. right, right. That's not what I want to be doing when I want to feel like I'm fighting back. But I guess, listen, every single uh, every single department is, you know, it's just all one. It all exactly. comes together. Exactly, exactly. You know, everybody needs to, you know, there's a lot of things that need to get done and someone needs to do them. So if right. they could help, you know, power to them. Right, so it's all branches of the army that make the IDF tree. Exactly. Um, there's also, you know, sent, uh, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has been amazing. Senator Tom Kahn actually proposed a resolution, uh, and we, we actually mentioned it, I believe we mentioned it, that anyone who supports Hamas openly and is here on a student visa should automatically immediately be deported because one of the terms of those student visas is that if you're here, you cannot support terrorism. That kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But that's actually gaining some steam. There's been a lot of calls now from different people in Congress to actually push this forward. And uh, it'd be pretty crazy if they, if, I don't believe, no part of me believes that's actually going to happen. But it is pretty crazy that it's even being talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's just throwing the idea out there is having the idea is at least putting forth a, a, some t type of sanity. Yeah. I mean, also everybody's waiting uh, 
to see what's going to be, right? We're, we're all waiting to see what's going to be. Everyone's expecting some sort of ground invasion. Uh, Biden famously was asked about it by a reporter, and he said uh, that they should not invade yet, they should wait. And then the White House came back r- right after and said, no, he misunderstood the question. He wasn't commenting about that. Now we have more information coming from the White House that says he actually does want them to wait. Uh, and specifically, they want to wait to so that the quote-unquote humanitarian supplies can reach, uh, supposedly, the Palestinian civilians. But we all know, and I'm sure you've seen the, the, the same interviews that I've seen, of people inside of Gaza saying, yeah, we don't we don't get access to any of that stuff. Hamas takes it all because Hamas runs Gaza. So all this money that's being uh, earmarked for the Gazans, we know where that's actually going. It's all going to go to Hamas. But my main ire is going to go out to the New York Times because we didn't, uh, we haven't had an episode since the whole debacle with the New York Times. But the more you learn about the New York Times and what they did with the with the uh, the hospital blast the more horrible it is. Anyone who's listening at this point, if you have not canceled your New York Times, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I, I almost can't understand it. I can't, you, to me, anyone who hasn't canceled the New York Times, you may as well go protest Free Free Palestine because that's essentially what you're doing. Unlike the, the protesters who protest Free Palestine, the New York Times is actually directly responsible for deaths. The New York Times blasting out that Israel bombed the hospital when in fact they didn't is just bonkers and they 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 released a retraction and a, an update oh you know it wasn't our you know it didn't live up to our editorial standards but here's the crazy thing about that New York Times article okay so the editors were looking at it right and they're going to release it and Hamas tells them oh Israel bombed the hospital 500 people died and so they decided to run with it now is that good editorial practice no but here's the crazy thing. They, they needed a picture to show, and they didn't have a picture of the hospital blown out because, in fact, the hospital was perfectly intact. As we know, the, the errant uh, rocket that came from Islamic Jihad landed in the parking lot. So the New York Times, well, what are they going to do? So they decide to run a picture on their original article of a different building that's blown out that wasn't the hospital. How? <laughs> they went to Google Images. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> it's not funny. It's insane. It's bizarre is what it is. It's insane. It's not journalism, that's for sure. No, no. So, I mean, what do you? How do you talk to someone who still has a New York Times subscription? I'm asking you I don't that know, question. I I don't know. People don't wear it on their sleeve. But I did pass a a, a free Palestine um, demonstration rally demonstration. It's scary. It's scary because they get loud. Like they get really loud. Like I haven't been to the support Israel uh, uh, demonstration or rallies, and I know there have been a few. But this one I happen to have passed, and it's like you can't help but stop and just stare. It's just and and it's just disbelief. Like how? How were you, were you? Were you wearing a yarmulke? Yeah, of course. Did, yes. Was there any calling out to you or anything? No, no. I mean, I kept you know a safe distance, and there's cops everywhere, and you know picket lines or whatever. They have the uh, those protective fences around the protest, and I did get really close at one point because I just was, you know, I saw some Jewish kids, and I. Needed to draft them for Mincha, so, so, so I got it. <laughs> By the way, best place to find a minion. 
<laughs> from Mincha is at a free Palestine rally, you know you're going to find some Jews there. But because you know, there's always the fight back, right? Right. But but it was you know, it's just scary to see you know, and realize you see so much of it on on social media, and and you get it in the WhatsApp, and you see it in, in videos. But to actually see it up close, there's like a, a hatred in their eyes. Yes. And these people have never been to Gaza, not one of them. No, and and instead of them saying, but by the way, they could, in one second, with one, with two words, their entire movement could be totally fine. All they have to do is write, free Palestine. Exactly, from Hamas. And then they're fine. They should be saying, yeah, we want Hamas out of there. Hamas is ISIS. The civilians' deaths are because of them. They've rerouted all the money. I'm sure you've... You've seen the video of uh, Hamas digging up the the water pipe that the EU paid for that's supposed to deliver fresh water. They, they, they dug it out and repurposed it to make rockets. And and then you wonder why they don't have running water in Gaza. Well, that's because they, right. they, re, right. they repurposed it. Right, and they blame Israel. Exactly. They blame Israel. They don't have running exactly. water. Exactly. Know? I think I, the most fascinating article I saw was the one that said that they found drugs in the pockets of the terrorists yes. that committed the massacre. Yes. To me, that was crazy. Yeah, they it was actually, taken. it's called Captagon, which is a, which is oddly like, I mean, like captive not, not the best gun. Name. Yeah, right? It just <laughs> happened to be that that's what they were using. Yeah. Yes. But it's a stimulant and it gives them like... I guess a, a hyper energy to go do the things that they wanted to do. Yeah, it's an amphetamine, but it also one of the things that it does, it lowers your feelings of empathy. So the United States actually has a similar drug that they use for the United States military. It's much more expensive to produce. And the reason is because that one is known to remove empathy, lower your inhibitions, etc. The American one, they give them an amphetamine that doesn't do those things. So, right. I mean, that doesn't excuse anything. But right, it you still need to be your main. Right, exactly. So it definitely did play a role. And by the way, this is uh, just coming out now as we record. Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre has actually responded to the, <laughs> to the fact that she talked about Islamophobia when being asked about anti-Semitism. And she says, you guessed it, she misheard the question. How convenient. I mean, you're only the press secretary. Right. You have one job. It's just <laughs> listen to a question and answer it. Right. She misheard. She misheard. Well, uh, Baruch Hashem, we've had now four hostages released. And with Hashem's help, we will have many more released soon. Uh, we're going to continue davening for them. Yeah, but it's crazy that it's still close to 200 still. And it's weeks now. Like, yeah. where is the world? Where is the world? We know where the world is. The world is not with us. That's where the world is, unfortunately. Uh, one project that we actually uh, got involved in and we're promoting, uh, Worthwhile Cause, it's a website. You can check it out. It's called kaddishforkadoshim.com, K-A-D-D-I-S-H-4kadoshim.com. Uh, this is a website that lets you pair up with one of the victims of the horrible massacre and it allows you to say Kaddish for them. So if any of our listeners are in the business of saying Kaddish, you can add a name, you could pair up 
chavrusa, uh, I mean, it's a bad word to use, but you pair up with uh, someone who lost their life. Many of these people don't have Kaddish being said for them. And uh, this is a way for, you know, bring it home, you know, and to do something good uh, to help the neshamas of these people who died uh, al-Kiddush Hashem. And of course, you'll be able to find the link to that website in the show notes. Uh, and it's also going to be posted on our WhatsApp group, which if you're not in, Okay, and with that, we're actually going to move on to the rest of our show as promised, where it's going to be, again, uh, a little bit lighter, uh, so you could relax if you're in the car, if you're home, take a breath, and we're going to be talking a little bit about what's been going on in the rest of the world in the United States and the rest of the world. Uh, I actually wanted to lead off with this uh, with this little tidbit. So I, I had remembered this story from years ago, but this morning, I was in a shear, and uh, a friend of mine, this is Alan from Brooklyn, he brought up this story. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that story. So I looked it up. And when I looked it up, I, I, I actually didn't remember all the details. And it's, it's, it's bizarre. So I'm just going to bring it up again. I don't know if we covered this. I couldn't remember. This is a story about a man from Waterbury, Connecticut. This article came out in 2019. So... For 62 years, an older man, this couple, for 62 years, this man faked being deaf to his wife for 62 years. No, come on. Yes. And so we were talking, it was a, it was a sheer and somebody had mentioned Shalom Bias and knowing when to, you know, when to speak and when not to speak. And he says, oh, we could learn from this guy. He faked being deaf so he would never have to speak to his wife for 62 years. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Like, is it even possible? He did it. And do you know how she caught him? Each thing is is, is bizarre. She, Let me hear. She, she found him. <laughs> she found a YouTube video where he was at a bar doing karaoke. And that's how she found out. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. He, they that have is six, crazy. Six children, 13 grandchildren. All of them are convinced that the father was deaf. And Wait a she's... second. Wait. I have a question first. He's doing. He he faked his his deafness for sixty two years, which means he's not sixty two, right? He right, got, he's older. He, right, he, he's, he's in his eighties. Yes. What eighty year old guy is doing karaoke? This is my question. <laughs> I'm like, telling you, what, it gets crazier and is, crazier. When is senior karaoke night? That's what I want to know. <laughs> No, and, and I don't get it because, like, that means for years, for years and years. What if they're in the car together and somebody honks and, and he jumps? Like, there was no no signs for 62 years? What, what do you mean? What if he's turned around and she breaks a dish? Right. 62 years, you break a dish. Right? How is that possible? No, this man has nerves of steel if he's able to <laughs> not turn around and not, like, and it's not, he wasn't faking hard of hearing. He's faking completely deaf. Yes. It's it's not like, what, what, I can't hear you talk up. No, none of that. It's just like, don't even bother. Like, I guess we can't communicate because I'm too old to learn sign language. So this guy went from being the number one uh, Shalom Bias husband to being the worst. And she did file for divorce. But here's a... <laughs> Wait, for real? Yes, she filed for divorce. She says, and she's actually... Not only is she suing for half of everything, she wants financial compensation for her, quote, emotional stress and burden of what this has done to her finding out. But here's a quote. How old she is. She's 80 years old. 
He's 80 years old and filing for divorce. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. I'm Here's saying, a quote. saying she's going to get back on J-Date and just try her luck. <laughs> it's crazy. No, she's not Jewish. I mean, I don't think she's Jewish. Doesn't doesn't sound Jewish. But here's a quote. <laughs> it, I'm telling you, the more you read about it, the crazier it gets. Listen to this quote that she said. <laughs> I'm going to try to get through without laughing. Quote, it took me two years to learn to communicate with my hands. Right? So she started learning sign language so she could communicate with him. As soon as I got good at it, he began having problems with his sight. <laughs> now that I think of it, he probably faked <laughs> that too. Well, of course he faked that too. Of course, obviously. Right? She's trying to tell him to take out the garbage with her hands, and he's like, I can't see. I can't see you. <laughs> Sorry, my eyes. Wow. Yeah, so so that was uh, that was my sheer. <laughs> this is what I do. So when, when I when my wife thinks I'm learning Tyra, this is actually what we're discussing. Well, I hope she's not she listening. Gets, she gets scar for it, and you don't. That's right. Right? That's she right. gets scar the minute you leave the home. You, I'm going right. to learn. She gets scar. That's right. Also in the news, there is, and you know this is one of my favorite topics, there's just an insane amount of crazy airplane stories. And I, you might think that I'm just obsessed with this topic. I'm telling you, it's all over the news. This one, I'm sure you saw it, was about an off-duty pilot who was in the jump seat on an Alaska Airlines flight. You, did you see this this uh, article? I, I I did see the Alaska flight. I don't recall the details. It's funny because I happened to have just flown Alaska Alaska Airlines a few weeks ago. Uh, it was my first time. And I was like, Alaska Airlines? Like, what is that? It turns out it is kind of like a budget airline. It was actually fine. But I, I had uh, upgraded my seat. And, like, it was, uh, you know, really nothing. The upgraded seat was like what you'd get on a regular Delta flight. So there is that. Um but this guy was in the jump seat in the cockpit, and he tried to, uh, I believe, open the emergency uh, pull. Oh no, he tried to to pull the emergency shutdown of the engines. He's yes, being that's charged. That's what I remember. He shut yes. the engine. And he's being charged with eighty nine counts of attempted murder. Right, right. I think it was eighty three. Uh, but now today they came out with a follow up to that story. It turns out this guy is saying. That he, he's a regular guy. He had not slept for 40 hours. He believed he was having a nervous breakdown. And he took mushrooms, which are legal in Washington. And he was having a bad trip. And that's why he did it. Well, that can't be legal for a pilot. No, he, he wasn't flying. He was off duty. Oh, he was just off duty and he made his way into the cockpit. He was on the jump seat. You know how the like the pilots that you know, if you're an off duty pilot, you don't have to pay for a seat. You could you could take one right. of the seats that are reserved for them. Interesting. So you're telling me he could get away with this? It's possible. I mean, at, at minimum, it's not gonna be attempted murder. I, I don't think. I mean, they you know, the, the the flight crew had to, you know, restrain him and they zip tied him until they were able to get to uh to law enforcement, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think that they're gonna get murder. You know, attempted murder on this. Look, it's always scary when you play around with psychoactive substances. You just never know. You can never know. Right. So the real answer is don't do it. <laughs> that's yeah. Public service not. announcement: Don't take these things. Uh, another story. <laughs> don't do mushrooms. Right. <laughs> another story: An EasyJet flight was canceled. Passengers had to disembark after they had been delayed for hours. 
because somebody, once again, had relieved themselves on the floor. No. Yes. Yes. You know, it just takes that one story to bring all the other offenders out of the woodwork, you know? (laughs) I haven't heard heard a story like this literally in 10 years. And so you think this this guy was like a copycat? For sure. For sure. He's like, wait a second. I can get away with this. (laughs) Right? I can't make it. There's too long of a line. The other guy did it. No, so so I will say so I I, I don't want to tell you this up front, but he did do it on the bathroom floor. Okay, Makes somewhat little, better, little little better, not slightly, slightly. I mean, they can they can close up that bathroom, right? They probably had to tape it off. Yeah, and I'm but sure that I'm sure that the smell wasn't to... you know the smell wasn't you know you're going to be locked in this plane with the air recirculating with that smell. It's not it's not they can't continue. They had to. But they're also not they're also not equipped to handle. A cleanup like that. True. That's which, why they, which should probably change. <laughs> so you in addition to them being ready for terrorists, they need to be ready for copycats. For Copycat biological def- terrorism. Biological, biological terrorism. terrorism. <laughs> and on that note, Panama City isolated a plane because of a potential bomb threat. So uh, they isolated the plane. There were people, people on board. They got everybody off. They went... The anti-explosives team came in to inspect the aircraft, and they found that the bomb was actually an adult diaper. No. Yeah. I can't make this up. I don't say something. Why did they think that it was a bomb? Who knows? I don't know, but, what? I mean, is it like another copycat? Who's leaving their adult diaper in the middle of the plane? Like, the wait, who so does the, these things? So the, the crew saw it. And they were like, there's nothing else that can be but a bomb. Yes. Because <laughs> how big could it be, right? It's right. a small. And these things, like, I don't want to get into detail, but they're usually white. Well, depends, right? Without getting too graphic. Kind of depends. Oh, it depends. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. If the flight. Terrible. <laughs> terrible pun. The flight literally was on its way to Florida, had to turn around, go back to Panama. Because of the bomb scare, which is which is bonkers. Yeah, imagine I mean, the people. You could just you know, imagine the bomb squad, right? These are serious <laughs> right. professionals. Yeah, right. They did not come to unwrap a diaper. That's right. <laughs> you but know, unwrap a diaper, they shall. And it's and it's Panama, and they said, I just imagine the bomb squad saying, hey, I want to know who called this one, who called who called the bomb squad for this. <laughs> A lot of people have a lot of questions to answer. Yeah. Another incident. And by the way, every one of these stories that I'm bringing you is from mainstream news. It's the Associated Press. It's NBC. It's CNN. Uh, a JetBlue passenger jet at JFK Airport. This is this one is crazy. I don't even know how this is possible. So they were they were unloading it, and the plane lost its balance and tipped like a seesaw. Oh, I saw that. I did see it. I, I, I can't understand how it happened, though. How's that even possible? Did you know that was even possible? I'm I mean, looking at a picture it, of it. We'll, we'll post it in the WhatsApp. How is that even possible? It is a three-legged aircraft. I mean, it doesn't have more than three legs. It's not meant to really you know, be that stable on the ground. It's meant to be in the air. 
I can imagine it happening. Like, imagine just weighing down the back of the aircraft. I can see how that happens. Really? Maybe. Does this make sense to you? <laughs> I don't know. It's never happened before. Like, I can't recall this in recent memory. So, Well, it's just another reason not to take JetBlue in my book. You know, I haven't been liking JetBlue. And now this is another reason for me not to take JetBlue. You're really a JetBlue hater? I can't wait till they want to advertise and you become a JetBlue lover again. Doesn't take much. <laughs> Doesn't take much to me to flip, <laughs> for me to flip sides. And also, in strange news, this one coming from Spain, a 50-year-old man from Lithuania was arrested because apparently he has faked a heart attack at least 20 times at restaurants so that he wouldn't have to pay his bill. I mean, it's the oldest trick in the book. Like, I, I've seen this before. People fake being sick or fake, or, or, they fake food poisoning. Yes. Yes, that we've you know, seen. I've, I've heard of it. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen it, but I've heard of it. So it's the same thing. Think about it. They get taken out on a stretcher out of a five, out of a Michelin star restaurant, and then they have to, <laughs> never have to pay them for again. But I mean, you end up in a hospital. Is it really worth it? He's got I insurance, it, probably. I guess it depends on uh, how much the bill came out to, right? Exactly. It was so, definitely more than the copay. <laughs> well, doesn't Spain have socialized health care? I think they do. And there's even more of a reason for you to just get on an ambulance. Yes, they do. They do have socialized health care. So it didn't cost them a dollar. Right. He probably loved it. You know, he probably ended up in the hospital, more free food, people waiting on him. He probably loved it, the guy. He clearly liked it. He did food, it 20 right. times. <laughs> right. 20 times. It's, uh, you know, he's a serial offender. They knew him at the hospital. <laughs> oh, wow. And actually, according to the article, and again, this is coming from Fox, most recently, his bill, it only came out to 36 euros. Oh, so it's really cheap. Yeah. It's like, so, that's not even $50. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Also, in a similar vein, in Poland, Polish people, this guy I got to give credit to because this to me, this is creative. They arrested a man who went into the window of the store and pretended to be a mannequin so that they would close the store. He could then steal and make out with all the money. That's not the worst idea I ever heard. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got you to gotta give this guy credit. You, but what are you going to do there all night long? Big deal. So you stay in the store. You, you pack some you know, granola bars. That's the you thing. Sleep. You need an overnight bag. You need you an know? overnight bag. Okay, there's a bathroom yeah, you there. Brush your teeth. You yeah. got to change. Where are you sleeping? It's it's not that bad. I mean, think about it. If, if he's going to make out with thousands of dollars of jewelry, well, that's not bad for 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 sleeping out for a night. So it was a jewelry store? It, it doesn't look like it was a jewelry store, but it says that he was planning to steal jewelry. It's interesting because if it's jewelry, that's actually doable, you know? Because the store opens, you're not hauling out anything. You just put it in your pocket. Right. Right. Exactly. You, you stuff your pockets the next day. You walk out like a regular customer and... You, exactly. How would he get caught? So he was eventually spotted by security personnel. And they actually have him on video trying to get out of the store <laughs> from under the gate. And we're going to include that in our, uh, in our WhatsApp. We're going to include all these pics. It would have been much better if they caught him flossing on security camera. <laughs> Taking right, a... Yeah. Doing the... Doing the floss and brush right before bed. <laughs> and in our last story for the day, uh, Amish men 
have been, quote, shunned. That's what it's called in like a cherem in, in, in Amish is called being shunned uh, for having smartphones and getting caught having smartphones. So as you know, Amish people shun all modern, uh, you know, modern electrical technology. devices, electronics, modern they, technology. They don't have lights. They use lamps. Right. right. So a bunch of these Amish people uh, seems that they wanted to have smartphones. They got smartphones and they got caught because their phones went off when an emergency alert happened. <laughs> you know how it beeps? What do you mean? That's that. That was probably the alert that went off on on Chalamayit Sukkos. What was it for? I don't remember. Do you remember there was a nationwide testing of the oh, emergency yes. alert? Yes, yes, yes. I forgot about that. One of these guys was actually meeting with like I don't know the elders, <laughs> the elders of the Amish, to <laughs> to get unshunned so that they should take him out of Cherem. And while he was sitting there, it actually went off. And he I mean, got caught in front of the elders. He got caught red-handed. Here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, I think a lot of yeshiva guys probably also got caught with smartphones. I exactly what I was thinking. Exactly what but I was also, thinking. But also, it was it was Kalamayid, so there was no yeshiva, so maybe they got away with it. But imagine the dorm. Imagine somebody left their smartphone in the dorm. That would never happen. But anyway, it for me exactly the way my my head jumped to you know in the Jewish world, we, you know, it's kind of similar, right? Um, for many, yes, but but you can't like. I feel like you don't need to be Amish. Like you, like do you have to be Amish? Like you can leave that fold, like yes, without you consequence. You could leave it without consequence, but you're gonna you're leaving your family behind. You know, I you're guess, leaving like, is it like a religion? It's not a religion. No, they they are from Christians, uh, and it's a way of life and a religion. Right. And, so you know, we, we've no, talked so a really, little bit about it. You know, the Rumspringer, when they reach a certain age, they leave for a little while to go see the world. No, I'm not familiar with that at all, by the way. Really? No. It's called a Rumspringer? Yeah, it's called a Rumspringer, and it's it's like uh, when, when the youth reach a certain age, they're allowed to, you know, explore to decide if they want to be Amish or not, and they could leave the fold or they could come back. But if they come back, no smartphones, no electricity, no electronics. I would love to know what their rate of return is, right? Because imagine going out to the world, seeing everything being allowed to live like a like a normal person, and then actually coming back and being like, y'all are right, I don't want anything to do with technology. Like, how does that happen? So it's at least a 90% return rate. How about that? No. Yes. That's insane. I feel Isn't like those crazy? numbers are maybe modified by the Amish community. <laughs> Maybe they're not telling exactly the truth. You know, how could they even do statistics? They don't even have calculators. <laughs> or computers, right? <laughs> right. So I think that number's got to be way off. Well, I'll delve a little deeper and I'll save it for next time. And as promised, we're going to leave you now with the speech made by Representative Randy Fine. It's worth a listen. And uh, stay safe and be careful and keep davening for our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. And don't forget to subscribe and, of course, share the podcast if you like it. You can find us on social media we, where we are releasing a ton of updates. Find us on Twitter or on Instagram. And, of course, join the WhatsApp group. Kiddish Club out.
Mr. Speaker and, and Madam President, thank you for organizing this today. Uh, Paul, I'm profoundly honored to represent not only the House, but the Jewish community as we stand together. I've tried to speak for them for seven years. I've clearly not done a good enough job. Um, I start with an apology. I'm not myself. Jews are not ourselves. We are not okay. Most of us have hardly slept since last Saturday. We have family in Israel. We know someone who's serving in the military. We know someone who died. For Israel, 10-7 was the equivalent proportionally not to one 9-11, or two, or even 10. Imagine 40,000 had died in New York that day. Almost 200 people have been taken hostage, 200. Think about that. We don't see them on live news videos because they're being hidden, used as human shields. Imagine what's being done to them right now. Until last Saturday, for most of us in this room, the Holocaust was something that existed in history books and museums, in black and white photographs when we watched Schindler's List and we read Anne Frank's diary, but not anymore. It turns out that the Holocaust never ended. It just went into hibernation. In the past week, we have seen things that have shaken the very foundation of what it means to be a human being. I can't wrap my head around what could drive a person to take a knife and cut the head off a baby. Can you? Can you understand what kind of person would burn an elderly person alive? That happened. What kind of man rapes a girl as she lays next to her dead friends? When I try to sleep, I think of the babies I played with last December when I toured a kibbutz on the border with Gaza. I wonder which ones were beheaded. That's the kibbutz that I visited. If I think about it too much, I feel like I'm going crazy. And I don't know if it's from anger or grief or just questioning how this world can actually exist this way. If I do fall asleep, I dream of the video of two little boys being taken hostage by monsters. I haven't seen their faces, but I saw their hair. Two little redheads. If you come to my office, you can see a picture of two that I have at home that have that exact same red hair. They want to kill them too. What we have seen is horrific, scarring, traumatizing. But I ask you to look at the pictures. Do not look away. We preserved the Nazi concentration camps in order to memorialize the horrors that man can do. Don't look away. In some ways, this was worse. These terrorists wore GoPro cameras. They filmed their barbarity live, their animalism. They were proud of what they had done. Do not look away. I ask you to sear it into your minds, to change who you are and what you think. Because we have to face a truth that many of us have refused to for far too long. We are not one giant human family. There are monsters among us. This was not done by one crazy person or even 19, as happened at 9-11. Thousands, thousands entered Israel 10 days ago with one single purpose. It wasn't to free Gaza. It was to see how many children they could kill, how many families they could destroy, how much suffering and barbarity they could inflict. That wasn't the collateral damage of war. That was their goal. But the monsters aren't just over there. They are right here. Today, a group of them will gather not far from here, and they will call the beheading of babies a great win. They will celebrate it. They will justify it. The monsters aren't just over there. 
Turn on the news. And you will see both in this country and around the world the largest scale demonstration of anti-Semitism in the history of the world. They no longer feel the need to hide their desire to kill Jews. They scream it in front of the camera. You all need to understand that Jews, not just in Israel, but right here in Florida, do not feel safe today. We are a people that has been kicked out of every place we've ever lived for 2,000 years. Every single place. There are Jews that you represent right now, here in Florida, including this one, whose children secretly packed a suitcase under their beds, wondering, will they have to run? But more than tired, more than heartbroken, more than scared, I'm angry. Because while we are here to stand with Israel, let me make one thing very clear. This is not war against a different people in a faraway land. It was an attack on all of us. There is a slogan in radical Islam that the terrorists sometimes use. Today, we come for the Saturday people. Tomorrow, we come for the Sunday people. There are only 16 million Jews in the world. There are fewer Jews than there are residents of Beijing, China. We celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. Maybe one of you can tell me who celebrates it on Sunday. I'm exceedingly grateful for my colleagues who stand here. For most of them, this is hard to understand. The biggest problem with anti-Semitism is actually not the anti-Semites. It's with those who aren't, because those who aren't anti-Semites don't understand how people can feel this way. It's the most common thing I've heard as I've run these bills for seven years. From my colleagues, they say, who actually believes this stuff? But we've learned that they do. I want to share just one story that might help explain it, a story you haven't heard yet about a little Jewish girl who survived, a three-year-old named Lizzie. Lizzie was one of 11 children in a family in her village when on that fateful day, the barbarians arrived at the gate. They were playing outside. Out of nowhere, they showed up. As the monsters were running at them, weapons flashing in the sun, Lizzie and her brothers and sisters and her parents ran into their home. They tried to barricade the door, but the terrorists knocked it down. With nowhere to run, Lizzie, her 10 siblings, and her parents piled on top of each other, trying to protect themselves. Lizzie, the smallest, ended up on the bottom, her parents on top. And over what felt like eternity, Lizzie listened to her family get slaughtered. She heard the knives plunge into the bodies of her parents. She heard the screams of her brothers and sisters as they died. Their blood poured into her eyes, her ears, her nose. She thought she was going to drown in it. When the monsters had finished their butchery, thinking they'd killed them all, they left. Lizzie survived. Eight of her older Jewish brothers and sisters, her mother and her father, they were true human shields, real human shields, who sacrificed their own lives to save Lizzie and her siblings, who sat at the bottom of this pile of death. But with the weight of hundreds of pounds on top of them, it took Lizzie and her brother hours to disentangle themselves from the bodies of their family. They just weren't strong enough to move it away. Lizzie remembered the heat leaving their bodies as she lied there, as they grew cold. It felt like their souls were moving on. But Lizzie survived, not in Israel, but in Russia. Not 10 days ago, 
but more than 100 years ago. You see, the armies of darkness have tried to exterminate my people since time immemorial. Lizzie survived. She came to America, and in this country, she married and had two Jewish children, one of whom had two more. My grandmother would remind me of her story every time I had to deal with my own battles with anti-Semitism. She would remind me that I wasn't special. I was just a Jew. The sad thing is this story is not unique. Last Saturday was just the latest stop on a 3,000-year journey of Jewish hatred, from slavery in Egypt to the Spanish Inquisition to the pogroms to the Holocaust. And I could tell you dozens more if we had all day. Every Jew in this room has a story like mine. Ask them, and they will tell you. They will tell you of the dozens, if not hundreds, of cousins that might have been brought into this world had they not died. There are hundreds of millions of Jews who have never been born. But 16 million is still too many for the monsters among us. We have been persecuted since the days of Exodus. The story of Passover, the story of Jews escaping from slavery in Egypt, of surviving chase from Pharaoh's army, of spending 40 years in the desert searching for the land God promised us, Israel. When we end our seders each year, we end them with a simple saying, next year in Jerusalem. For over a thousand years, that was just a hope and a dream, but not anymore. Since 1948, no longer. We now have Israel. Never again will Jews be defenseless. Never again will we go to our slaughter. Never, ever again. God knew this. And in one of the five most sacred books in our faith, Deuteronomy, a book that is part of the Christian Bible as well, he told us what to do. When you go out to war against your enemies and you see a people more numerous than you, you shall not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you. Hear, O Israel, today you are approaching the battle against your enemies. Let your hearts not be troubled. You shall not be afraid, and you shall not be alarmed, and you shall not be terrified. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. God is with us. We are not afraid. We know we will win. We will win together. You are with us. We all share this verse as well from Psalms. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. The attack in Israel was not an attack on a country. It was an attack on a people. It was an attack on me, on Lauren, on every Jew in this room, but it was an attack against all of us. When you stand with Israel, you stand with us. You stand with the Jews of this state, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and the namesake of my youngest son, or my oldest son, Jacob. All of you descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as well. May God bless Israel, may God bless her friends, and may God smite the enemies of us all. And this episode is copyright Kiddish Club Media.